the shed again. It's still a nice sunny late August day. The days are getting shorter. Trying not to think about that because I hate it when the days get shorter. Because really it's a metaphor for life, isn't it? No, it's not. It's not at all. (laughs) The leaves turn brown. Yes. Crumble. (laughs) Wither. Die. I had a tomato right off the vine here at the shed. KJ's growing tomatoes. Man, it was good. What was it? Yellow Lemon boy. boy. Lemon boy, that's what it was. We had fresh farm-to-table mashed potatoes last night. Nice. Like, I don't grow stuff because I'm too impatient and careless. But it's kind of too bad that I'm too impatient and careless. It's pretty good right off the vine. So that's your framing for this episode. So settle in. Hang around. Have a little listen. Take notes if you want. Send us questions. Here we go. So so I finally spotted, oh, there's actually been a post on our Shed Dogs page five days before I saw it. So Oh. Yeah, Ogre sent us a nice little article from the old days. I know you wanna we should read that paragraph out for sure. This is the column that Gary from Nelson sent us, uh, and it's the last paragraph. Another Rosslyn rink, which won a spiel over the past weekend, was also skipped by a young fellow who bears the familiar name of Beaudry. Young Gary took his rink, composed of Kevin McNulty at third, Troy Albo second, and Pat Lilburn lead, to victory in the local 480 spiel, beating out the veteran John Jarrett rink in the final. (laughs) (laughs) What's fun about that is I'm very sure it was the C. (laughs) Like... I was not, you know, not there's, the there's divisions, right? Doesn't matter. A, B, C, D, and we won the C. But yeah. doesn't matter. We won and we did beat somebody, but Harry diplomatically doesn't mention that. In Good his, job, Harry. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, and I, I replied to Ogre just joking around, forgetting that this is actually a public post on Facebook, I think. Maybe not. No, it's. Cause it, did you see, I. I didn't actually see the post. I just saw the clipping because you guys uh, sent cause it to I, me. Because I sent the ogre, yeah, you know, we, yeah, you beat that fucking John Jarrett, right? <laughs> and then now I'm thinking, actually, this is just visible to everybody. Yes, it is. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it is. I haven't seen it, but I'm pretty sure it is. Many comments on the comment. John Jarrett's family, because he's probably long gone, they'll be writing. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's the same, like, and the guy who wrote the column was Harry Pepper. Harry Pepper, he had a column for years in the Rosslyn Minor, and he used to call it Stops and Stats. <laughs> Stops and Stats with Harry Pepper. Well, Harry used to come when I played for the Rosslyn Junior B Warriors, as opposed to the, at that time, defunct for 20 years Senior Warriors. Harry would come on all our road trips, and uh, in the early days, those road trips were raucous events. <laughs> A lot of the fans would be significantly impaired when we arrived at the destination for the game. And of course, by the time the game was done and we drove the X hours in the bus home, they were way beyond significantly impaired. In fact, we had trouble with some of the fans. Your uh, own fans. Yeah, like our, well, with their parents. Some of our young fans... (laughs) particularly female fans were found to be impaired when they got home. And that caused some problems for the organization in terms of 
I don't want my daughter on your school bus with those hockey players drunk when she gets home. So knock it off. And we had to. And Harry was on all those trips. And, uh, oh, man, you would hear stuff. I know a lot of old World War II songs because some of our older fans would sing them at the top of their voices on that bus trip, you know, like just paper dollies. Uh, heard that a whole bunch of times. Just I don't know that I ever knew that fans went on those yeah. trips. Oh, absolutely. We had we uh. had fans to go. Because, I mean, the bus wasn't full of players. I can't remember if they had to pay. I don't think they did. I just cannot remember, though. Players' girlfriends would go, and girls that wanted to be players' girlfriends would go. And They'd probably parents, have to pay to watch the game, though. Yeah, right? oh, yeah. they got to yeah, pay yeah. to get into the rink, but yeah, uh, you yeah. didn't have to pay to get onto the bus. Parents of players would go. And Harry would go because he had to write the column and he'd watch the games and you'd get a mention. My sister sent me a clipping of when I got a mention, I probably was 15 playing in Nelson and some guy got by me and I dove and did a sweep check, you know, you, cause I was beat. Like you shouldn't be beaten like that. And he wrote that up in his column and my sister had it from someplace and sent it to me. Those road trips though, I mean. I think I mentioned that there was a lot of drinking, and I'm not fooling. There was a lot. <laughs> and, of course, when you drink, you have to rest. We, we'd stop to take a break, right, to take a pee, because people were drinking, and they had to pee. And we had to pull over on the side of a snowy highway. And the women all went down one side of the bus, and the men all went down the other side. And we'd have sometimes have to help people out of the snowbank because <laughs> they'd fallen in and couldn't get back out. Like just absolutely gunned. This was when I was about 15 or 16 and just starting with those guys. I don't know how the driver, because they all sat up at the front. The, like the players and the young people all sat in the back, but the coach, manager, trainer, and grown-up parent fans, they all sat in the front of the mm-hmm. bus right near the driver. Mm-hmm. Wow. Singing loudly and laughing uproariously. Yeah, yeah. Oh my. The adults in the oh, room. They were just, it was really an eye opener for me at that age. I'll tell you, I had no idea that anybody's parents acted like that. <laughs> There's no disrespect to any of those people. They came on those things because they did want to have fun and they did want to be supportive. And Harry Pepper wrote columns in the Rosslyn Minor for just ever. And lots of players in softball, baseball, golf, hockey, swimming, liked the fact that they got mentioned in that column in the newspaper. It was a big deal. I mean, like I say, mm-hmm. I got a clipping from my sister 35 years later or something like that. You know, like Harry was a pretty good guy and his columns actually were pretty, pretty decent. I, pretty fun. So that 480 fun spiel thing. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I remember that. That was the last year I actually curled, 1980. I was in, I believe that clipping said it was... April of 1980, I think is what was written on that clip. So you went out on a high note. Yeah. Yeah. Because the next fall I went to BCIT. Right? Well, you were, you were lead, is that right? Yeah. That's the, the lead is the guy, you, you're the worst player when you're the lead, generally speaking. You're the weakest. There are no bad players. Again. That's right. <laughs> you're, no, you're a super powerful <laughs> sweeper. <laughs> you're a super powerful sweeper if you're the lead guy. That's why. Yeah. No, it's because you can't be trusted to not screw up. So they make you throw is, into a blank space. Oh, lead means you're the first person to throw. Yeah. Uh, I get it. Skip is the guy who calls yeah. the shots. Yeah. That would be yeah. ogre for us. Yeah, yeah. So all this time I've thought oh. lead was some kind of important position. No, yeah. it's in curling, 
It's the junior guy. It's super important because he set up the house for the big decision maker guns. So you should have, yeah, obviously skill is, skill is helpful. Yeah. Because you got to put your, put the rock in a certain place. In the serious big leagues. Yeah. There's no player on those serious big league rinks that is not highly skilled. Yeah. And you do these days with brushes instead of brooms, sweeping is quite a bit different than it was way back when. If you're throwing lead rocks for a real rink, you're a pretty good curler. But then in those days, I was throwing lead rocks because that's the least damaging place they could put me. So it's good. <laughs> and we've got a fourth for the tourney. Yeah, exactly. We can, we can have a rink. Just go stand there. When they tell you to throw a rock, just doof it off the side or something. And, you know. Well, that was a month before I went to studio, if it was April 1980. I think that's what the clipping said, yeah. Well, it's pretty much the last, like I say, that's the last curling i pretty much ever did so have you fun. did you see the this is i thought a little bit surprising the controversy over the rosland warriors and the name i did see that and you know what i was quite pleased that the so i just mentioned a minute ago the rosland junior b warriors well they've revived the senior team since i left town 40 years ago so they have the senior warriors are now wow again an active organization in oh Rosslyn. they are that's what a, that's what i, why I yeah. was questioning this whole thing i said i don't think there's a team there anymore yeah no they they got back into business a few years ago i guess what they had is beer leagues like i played in after junior and the beer league guys just wanted to have more organization and more so they formed a league with you know trail and beaver valley and the senior guys so and senior is more of an age designation than a skill level? Because <laughs> no, no, seriously, like no. whenever I heard, whenever I heard junior A, I'd think, oh, okay, well, that's, you know, jun- junior B. Okay, they're not as good as junior A. Yeah. And then senior, well, that would be like the trail smoke eaters. You're basically correct, yes. And the smoke eaters were in the, they were in a different league. I can't remember what it was, the Western Hockey League. I can't remember. They were like semi-pro though, eh? Those guys were. Mm. paid money to play mm-hmm. and they were imported and employed at Kaminko to play on that team. And it was the same in the other communities, probably still doing it with the senior warriors. I don't think it's the same thing. And I don't think they play against the Smokies, but I don't know. Could be mm. wrong, but yeah, you're right. It's an age thing. If you're playing on a senior team, you're probably, 20. I don't, I don't think there's any minimum age, but it means you're too old to play junior anything anymore. You're over 21. So, yeah. Okay. You could still play in a senior team if you're a 15-year-old, but you... But it's not just organized beer league. It's a, obviously a step No, it's above a league. That. People play, ad, pay admission, you know? Yeah, yeah. They have sponsors. They travel for oh, games. Wow. They, they do that. all... So they then, this business of... They have the same warrior head logo as the Chicago Blackhawks have, right? Mm-hmm. It's the same one I had in my sweater. And they actually took the trouble to write to, uh, what's the band just near Suez? South Okanagan. South it's Okanagan, a- yeah. Because I guess that's the nearest one they could find representation for or something like that. I'm not really sure why, just them. But the whoever is in charge there wrote back and said, I'm good with you using it. I don't, I think the fuss over these things is un, untoward and you just fly at it and I'm happy that you're doing it. I was just pleased they even took the trouble and even considered it. Okay. So now we're back. Speaking of Facebook, my new Facebook strategy working out really well. 
I, I just like face. Oh yeah. Run us through this. I yeah, saw you posted yeah, something about that. Really straightforward. Like, uh, uh, Facebook's always really annoying cause you're, you're not necessarily seeing what you want to see. Or one thing that hap- would happen to me is I'm looking at a post. Oh, I want to read that. But first I'm going to check my notifications. I'll click into a notification, hit the back button, the post's gone because Facebook decides yeah. I no longer need to yeah. see it. Just all kinds of little issues. So anyway, I've finally, I switched to always viewing most recent. How did you do that? It's uh, you go down the left-hand side. This is the new Facebook layout. I think everyone's switched now. I don't know, but tell me this because I I want to do this. It's a more open layout. That's the new one. And yeah, yeah, just go down the left and you'll see a see more button. So you have to hit that. And then you have to scroll down and do the most recent. And they might move around the most recent on you. They don't want you to find it, right? Yeah, yeah. Because they want you to feed you whatever. Anyway, so. Same thing's going on on Instagram, just by the by. Yeah, Instagram, I I hear that kind of got ruined by Facebook. Yeah, they've done the same. They You get to see three posts that you care about, and then after that, it's suggested posts. Yeah. And you have to opt to say, see older posts. So I switched to see most recent, and it's still too much. And I was on Daily Hive, and Daily Hive posts three or four things you can tell that Daily Hive is paid to post. Mm. They're really ads in disguise. And then finally, there would be something that's kind of interesting after a while. So I unfollowed them. I unfollowed any chatty verbose posts. And now I'm finding like, I still have a fair number of Facebook friends, like bigger than your number of people you'd actually truly call friends. Mm-hmm. But I'm finding five minutes does the whole day. Like, yeah. 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 I see. I spend very little, very little yeah. time on Facebook. So anyway, I, it's nice because there are some really nice posts on Facebook Usually the political posts are kind of interesting, but I get all that from Twitter. Same. So it's really more like, oh, look at that. Oh, that's somebody's daughter. Yeah. Being chased by a dog or something, you know, like I really enjoy those aspects of Facebook. So that's the same with, of things we enjoy. It's the same on Twitter. I enjoy Twitter's content. That's stuff like that. I, I find that we've talked about this before. It gets exhausting when you read the serious stuff, but you know. Yeah. No, Twitter I use for the serious stuff and Facebook is for, for friends. So Twitter is really just uh, a few political posts and or tech posts because I'm into that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Mine's mostly political, but. Uh, um, we didn't finish um, the Warriors logo. Oh, yeah. That guy wrote back and said, do it. And I believe the manager of the Senior Warriors said, awesome, thanks. And was there more? Well, no, but just that I'd, that feedback I got on that or the comments on that from indigenous people saying, well, maybe they should have asked the members of the tribe, not the chief. Well, isn't that fun? I didn't read that, but isn't that one of the primary difficulties with uh, Canadian slash indigenous relationships in a nutshell? Yeah. Yeah. So there's a, there's a, governing structure that was imposed on indigenous nations in about 19, I think 24 that calls for elections and representatives that the government will deal with and which I'm given to understand completely ignores the hereditary power structures Uh. that those bands, those nations were run with prior to that. And that's come up. It came up with the Wet'suwet'en blockade, for example, the, you know, the, 
couple of times they had agreements between the oil companies and the representatives, but the hereditary chiefs totally not on board. Mm. So I didn't hear that, but that is, that's a thing, right? Yeah. That's a real thing. Oh, so the, the hereditary chiefs then maintain power in a, in, in a certain... Well, they certainly maintain media power. They maintain the ability to claim authority that isn't recognized by the government. Right, right. But they, when they claim that authority, people tend to listen, particularly members of that nation. Because members of that nation, I think their experience has too often been that the elected representatives that deal with the government are not necessarily the best spokespeople. They're not necessarily serving the interests of the band first and foremost all the time. I mean, we could go on and on about whose fault that is. Yeah. But I think they've, the upshot of it is they've become very, very cynical about that structure. But it, 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 I just thought that it was interesting news that uh, it's the first time I've ever heard anybody on that side say, yeah, we're good with the logo. Yeah. Yeah, same. And I was, I to me, I was just, because I have thought about that. Because I've got old hockey jackets that have that logo on it. Yeah. And I thought, oh, no, they're doing, don't, don't think about that. And then you see, geez, they actually tried to address it. Because yeah. the other thing I would have thought is in a place like, Rossland, in my opinion, was never a really redneck town, but it's still a small town. And I just thought they're just not going to want to deal with this kind of thing at all. They're just not even going to want to. I always thought Rossland was bimodal, like a, yeah, not I think kind of right. a normal curve. It was more like, oh, there's, here's a bunch of people who are fairly rednecky and a bunch of people who are fairly. I think you are right liberal. about yeah. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So at least a couple of months ago, early May with the George Floyd stuff, there became a whole bunch of media attention uh, with regard to police violence, whole bunch of conversations still ongoing. You know, we want to not really forget all about all that stuff. And one of the themes that you saw repeated was how police officers put their lives on the line every day. They're risking it all to keep us safe. You know, and I'm, I'm saying it in that tone, but in fact they do take risks. They do deal with difficult and dangerous situations. But right in there someplace, I came across a list published by, I don't know who, um, Huffington Post, which is a publication my mind's a bit suspect. It's so, um, it's so kind of left-leaning that I kind of think they maybe tend to bend some of their stuff a little bit. Their presentation is biased. But it was a list of the top 10 deadliest jobs in the United States. And guess what? I'm sure that they gave a, a link to their stats. I, I think they so probably I think this did. kind of thing is just yeah. statistical. It's not about whether you're left or right. Yes, I think you're right. And it's just the, the phrasing of the descriptions oh, the headlines for and all that. Yeah. Sure, yeah. But the police, police officer is not on the top 10 deadliest jobs in the United States. Just not. Right. So what are the top 10? This is according to statistics from the Bureau of Labor. Yes, that's right. So it's U.S. stats. And again, I would have thought the police experience in the U.S. is significantly more dangerous than the police experience in Canada. But from the top down or from the bottom up? Let's go from the bottom up. Construction workers are number 10. Pretty obvious construction, you know, supervision is an issue. Conditions are widely variable. Uh, Inexperience is frequent and training is meh, wherever people tend to get hurt and killed. Uh, Number nine, farmers, ranchers, and other agricultural managers. 
same sort of thing. A lot Great of big augers. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. That is the first thing I always think of is those big yeah. seed augers. Cause I you've heard, yeah. hear those stories. Yeah. But I, I, you know, same sorts of reasons, right? Not, not real high education, not real high experience, not real good supervision and wildly variable conditions. Why a number eight? Why is I kind of thought you would get to that, but you know what? I'll edit this part out. Little doing pause. Great, skin, you're doing great. We're rooting for you. <laughs> Little pause. <laughs> <laughs> number eight are drivers, sales workers, and truck drivers. Obvious reason they're on the road. So if you spend a lot of time in a car, your odds of having an accident, the probability that you have an accident simply goes up. The more accidents you have, the probability that one of them is fatal simply goes up. So number eight, those guys, electrical power line installers and repairers are number seven. And again, we've got to believe hmm? high voltage. Yeah. Like pretty straightforward there. So all you guys fooling around with stoves, trying to help your friends out, watch out. You can electrocute yourself pretty easily. Are stoves, uh, two, 220? 220. Yeah. But the stuff that drives the clocks and everything has all been stepped down to 110. Okay. Refuse and recyclable material collectors that would be in normal english garbage garbage men yeah so again fairly obvious good reminder for those of us putting out our garbage and recycling keep that in mind yeah it is dangerous yeah it's uh, in the states it's number six and again they're jumping off and on moving trucks in variable conditions like snow mm. oh i slipped and fell under the back doolies oops or oh i slipped and fell into the thing just as the pressing the compressing function was running, you know, like it's, it's, but it's, when you say dangerous, uh, this is a, in terms of fatalities per year, fatalities, fatalities. Yeah. Per year, per year, per worker. Oh, not just injuries. No fatalities. Deaths. Yeah. Holy deaths. shit. Okay. Yeah, it's, carry it's on. Number six, number five, structural iron and steel workers, same sort of thing. Very heavy stuff, very indifferent supervision, very variable conditions. Envision people on a 20 story. Yeah. Eating lunch. 40 story walking along those (laughs) beams at the top. Eating lunch. They don't show the picture of the guy when he loses his balance. They just show him being all cool. Um, (laughs) Roofers, just roofers are number four. Yeah. Again, the thing to think about there is lots of us go up on the roofs of houses and think, oh, it's not very far, but actually it only has to be about 12 feet. Anything over 12 feet, you're in the real danger zone because you're going to land hard. And at certain heights, the likelihood that you land on your head, as opposed to your lower body increases just because of the distance it takes us to reorient if we can even like we're not like cats we don't have special equipment like a tail to right ourselves anyway roofers number three i thought was interesting aircraft pilot and flight engineers you know i thought we always hear that aircraft travel is actually safer than driving a car in terms of fatalities Mm -hmm. right so i guess for the passengers that's true and i guess the deal has to be there's a whole whack of planes they're flown without passengers. And of course, when a plane crashes, oh, that's yeah, death, yeah, right? Yeah. And I guess if you're a flight engineer, you're either part of the crew or maybe you're doing dangerous work on maintenance on the ground. I don't know that part. But aircraft pilot and flight engineers are number three. So a lot of planes must go down that we just never hear about. And it mm. kills people. Various sizes too. 
Fishers and related fishing workers are number two. I've seen The Deadliest Catch. Yeah, I was just going to say, they don't do reality series because it's boring. They do it because guys can die, and that's Crab Fisherman, Deadliest Catch. And number one, number one, not policemen, but logging workers. Oh. For the same sorts of reasons. Like, you're out in the bush... Those, and a lot of the thing that's in common with a lot of these jobs is these guys are highballing, right? It's kind of like glorified piecework. Logging is like glorified piecework. You've got to get as many trees out in as short a time as yeah. possible. And, and if those you, cables whipping around. Well, and, and you do things too, like you, you line up 10 trees in a row. You do all the back cuts and you do most of the front cuts and then you fall one and they all go because it's way easier to walk around in the bush without trees down all over the place. Uh, so you line up a whole whack of them to go all oh, at I once. Know. I didn't know they did And then that. you pull them out. Well, if somebody's eating his lunch down by the eighth tree, bummer <laughs> for him, you know. And yes, the cables, when they're skidding stuff out, supervision, tendency to overload equipment badly because you're trying to get as much out of it. Right. You know, there's not enforcement and regulation going on in the bush. So there you go. But it doesn't include policemen not even in the top 10 most dangerous jobs yeah, police policemen first responders which but all that also includes firemen yeah firefight, firefighters is 6.2 per hundred thousand but i would think firefighting's a lot more dangerous and even that is only one third of number 10 on this list which is construction yeah, workers that's number number 15 is firefighters and police officers because mm-hmm. i found a different list mm-hmm. Yeah, and this, this list here says that pilots, of course, we didn't think about, or I didn't think about this, but the pilots include little Cessnas and whatnot. So that changes things when you include yeah. all the little yeah. mom and pop planes. Yeah. yeah. Would it include military as well? The Probably, yeah. Pilots I, would, and I would think so, yeah. Another interesting note on here is says without validation that I can see anyways, that most policemen killed in the job die in accidents, mostly auto not from firearm assault, according to the FBI. Right, right. That makes sense. So they're not dying because some rioter kills them. They're dying because they're racing to somewhere and crashing to something. Mm-hmm. So there you go. I just, just, I don't know. I, I can't remember. Like, I'm not trying to make some big editorial stand. It's just an interesting thing, what we get told, what impressions we develop about things. And then as RJ is so often the champion of, what are the actual facts as opposed to just what do I think? And that one struck me as, Jesus, I wouldn't have ever guessed that. I would have thought, I honestly would have thought they would have been up there someplace. Mm. Um, RJ, on this list here, well, Mm -hmm. let's pick on KJ because you know what? We get mail that says, oh, I wish he spoke more. I love yeah. this episode because he had so much to say. Specifically says that PJ and RJ <laughs> talk too much. Yeah, exactly. That's what I saw. <laughs> yeah, same. Yeah. Those two asked, we're sick of those guys. KJ, uh, there's an item in here. What is your favorite paradox? So the Rick Astley paradox is if you ask Rick to. Oh, oh, oh. Ask Rick Astley to give you the movie up. Right. And he's never going to give you up. Yes. But he's already let you down. Yes. And because he's not giving you up. And so he's never going to let you down. So that that's the... So that goes in circles. Yeah. So that, I think that's why I brought it up, gentlemen. <laughs> I'm glad I could dig that out of me. Because I looked at that and I thought, maybe I should look up Paradox. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking this was going to be some time travel thing or... <laughs> 
That's fun, isn't oh, it? That is fun, actually. Good. Good one. How about them Canucks? I put that there. Yes, absolutely. Do tell. After the first game against uh, the Blues, because uh, I, I thought, well, it was a great game, to, first game, but it was about the whoever controls the crowd noise. Oh, right. Good. Because that's the thing I've been thinking about. Isn't that fun? The crowd noise thing really is fun. Like, I was going back and forth with Dale and Heidi about it, and I was saying exactly this. Like, are there guys that are just specialists? And they have all these different flavors of crowd noise around, you know, sharp excitement, appreciative excitement, uh, angry excitement, you know, the kind of noise. Oh, Ooh, from the bad hit. And they, the they've hit. got them all on buttons so they can just, and then another relate. So are there a bunch of these guys? That's a, one of the questions. Is there a whole bunch of them? Another, because there's all these venues, hub cities where they're doing this. And another one that came up, are they piping that into the rink for right, the, players the players to hear? to hear it too. And do they? I wonder. I think they do. They might. Well, because I don't know if you watched uh, the game last night. I watched Las Vegas. Just the clips of it, yeah. So in there, um, the national anthem, the crowd goes, gave proof through the night. Everybody yells night. So they got the, the clip of the anthem from so a they, Vegas So they got game. that. They pu- they punched it in on top of the guy who's singing live, which oh. I thought, well, that's interesting. Oh, my good Lord. And well, maybe the, he was just lip syncing. N- uh, no. Uh, and the second to last blues game, in the middle of nowhere, all of a sudden you hear, go, blues, go. Go, blues, go. And I'm thinking, where did that come from? I haven't heard that in any other game. You know, you're thinking, well, okay, so the Blues are at home tonight. Do they get bigger cheers? Yeah, well, you definitely, I did notice in the, uh, I don't know if it was the Vegas game or St. Louis, but you know how you're the visiting team and you score a goal, the announcer says, Vancouver goal scored by number 22. And then when you're in Vancouver, it's like, just, yeah, just really heavy sauce, right? (laughs) And the American Your American cities <laughs> exactly, and the American cities, in my opinion, are much worse for that. Their their audio bias is just crazy in there, and they're doing that in these games on TV right now. Yeah, yeah. so I'm glad that's the part. I kind of don't really care about the playoffs in August. I just don't care. But definitely, when you see the clips. I immediately wonder about all that because right away your eyes drawn to all those tarped over seats with nobody in them, but you're hearing wild cheering and the organs going and players are high fiving each other. And well, I saying, like the sometimes they have the big dummies in the seats. And <laughs> people pay for them, right? Yeah, like they'll have whatever face they want. It could be a cartoon character. Yeah. Where is that? That's in baseball. Well, you see it in baseball a lot, but I've seen it in other sports as well. Maybe oh. it was, I was watching some NBA stuff as well. Oh. Because, oh. you know, we the North. We the North, right? Yeah. Um, I also saw a headline that says Montreal will host the first stadium game with an audience. Now, did anybody else see this? This one about four days ago. I'm trying to think, what sport would that be? Stadium, Montreal. F- uh, soccer? guess yeah, so yeah. that sounds right i guess so but montreal of all places like there's know, still a hot spot but, but i mean if you, in the big o though you could probably yeah get, you can you can space it out you could probably get five thousand people in there without with spacing with movies are starting back up in october is it are they yeah the ads are showing them starting yeah they're gonna start 
So I, I don't know. So With a seat in between? Two yeah, seats I don't know exactly how they're going to space it yeah. out. Well, Susan just did um, two uh, readings of Sexy Laundry last night and the night before down at the BMO. With 35 people in the audience? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, like they're fundraisers, so. But I find the crowd noise, I kind of like it. I, I The first time I heard it, I thought, well, just, it's artificial, so please don't do that. But then, of course, you stop even thinking about it. You're just hearing it. Yeah. And it does kind of naturally cause your emotions to flow, it, not unlike a laugh track. Yeah. 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 And what I like about it is it's less noisy than the real crowd noise. Yeah. I could just see them down the road getting, you know, the engineer guys turning it up louder and louder because they want But I like it because it's muted and the annoying organ sounds. Can't stand those. <laughs> they're kind of gone. Well, I think, no, don't they have a live a guy of, in there? A lot of do, stuff. Do, yeah. Do, yeah. Do, don't they have a guy in there they, doing They may that? well have somebody doing it, but for whatever reason, it's muted. Wow. And I'm thankful for that because I can't stand no, it. No, I, I heard that once. Yeah. That one in particular. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. But do you, either of you, think that the home team got better noise than the away team? I don't think so. In terms of cheering? Yeah. No, I don't. I, the announcement, the announcing of events, you know, like penalties and goals, the announcing is definitely biased according to who's supposed to be the home team. Oh, okay. Vancouver I, penalty number, you know, and I'm like you were saying with that, the goal, man. it's, it's, <clears throat> I thought I noticed that pretty, pretty evidently but not the crowd cheering so much on a goal maybe though goal cheering may be a little muted when the away team scores uh, might okay. not be quite as big a thing it must be we super weird for the players so must be to listen but i i, I they got to be able to hear it though right i don't know i just can't tell at all Find that out, the way they behave because i mean if you're not pumping in all that noise they're just like me Guys like us that just play in a rink for fun. Yeah. Uh, of course, it's not the same. They're playing for millions of dollars and so on, and they're, they're way thousands of times more intense. But it, it just must be like I say, uh, this has come up a few times for me. And the first thing I always say is, those guys have been playing in front of cheering crowds since they're about 10 years old. It must be so weird to be in the Stanley Cup lifetime dream playoffs in a big, giant, empty point. You know, your puck goes off the boards. We used to get this, this sounds dumb, but we used to play in the Coliseum at Spokane and it was a big seated, I don't know, probably seated 10,000 people or something. Of course, there was usually about 50 people in there. Yeah. And the sound in places like that just goes off into the ether. You would think that like when you bang a puck off the boards in a normal rink, it goes bam and you can hear sort of an echo because the rinks, you do it in the Coliseum and it just goes boink. Because the sound just dissipates off into all that space. And I think for those guys in those rinks that we're watching on TV, I wonder if it's like that for them where it, it's like practice time, yeah. scrimmage time for them. Yeah. So they must be piping it in, but I don't really know. I bet our listeners know. Listeners, fill us in. And until they do, RJ. Yeah. What is this uh, pleasant encounter at the dog park? At the park? dog park. Oh yeah, this was a couple of weeks back. Uh, I, you know, take uh, when I take care of Took one or two days a week, typically. And uh, I was at the park. Usually at the end of the day, I go to the social park, David Gray Park in Burnaby, fenced off, opening. Usually around fifteen. Is there is there like a heavy duty show park or? 
dogfighting park or like there's the relaxed one where you can actually just take your dog for a walk, David Gray. But uh, on, get it out. Let it all out. You said it, not me. You said I go to the social park. Well, what does that make the other parks? The other parks are trails. Uh, my favorite park is Melbourne. It's like a forest in there, and you see maybe one or two dogs the whole time. But this park is David Gray, and you know there's maybe fifteen dogs and their owners around, and there's usually some chatting and a lot of socializing amongst the dogs and. And there I am standing there, you know, and I'm always a little bit on edge usually until Tuke settles down because he's a handful, you know, he can cause problems in the park, you know, a little mounting here and there. Tuke. Yeah. You know, it's a social park. I mean, come on. His favorite sport is. <laughs> the mounting park. That his one. favorite sport is the <laughs> dumb black dogs that are, oh, I'm going to run away. And he's just like, yeah. And he takes them down. <laughs> he, he understands the concept of cutting off at the corners. The black dog just running along, curving, boom, from the side. Oh, man. Which is, you know, like if they can't take it, I'm always on edge about making sure he doesn't do it. And you can't make sure. Like when, when, that, no. when that hormones are just surging and he's off, right? The, there's no getting him. <laughs> Duke, come back, Duke. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, <heel>. <laughs> <laughs> he's not coming back ever so anyway this youngish guy by youngish i mean maybe 30 he comes walking over to me and he says uh i see you're wearing a modest mouse t-shirt and i go yeah i suppose i am and uh, so we end up having a nice conversation about modest mouse and you know he knows each of the albums and we talked about our favorite concerts and he says i have a buddy who's seen them 10 times and so we're talking and then, um, 15, we keep talking 15 minutes later. He says, uh, yeah, the national man, they're my favorite band. I said, oh yeah, they're a good band. Saw them in, uh, you know, Deer Lake park. He goes, oh, that must've been nice. Yeah, it was. The national played Deer Lake park. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, he's going, uh, and I go, yeah, yeah. Actually, I have a, a guy I know has a whole sleeve of tattoos. He goes, oh, Cam. I go, yeah, yeah, Cam. Cam's got, and Cam, of course, has been here in the shed. Voices of Vancouver. Yeah. And uh, Cam's got a, a bunch of tattoos down one arm, and every single one is about one of the one, one national song and what the lyrics are saying to him. And I go, oh, yeah, yeah, how do you know Cam? He goes, I know him from uh, Edmonton. He goes, I'm from Edmonton. We just keep talking. And uh, I said, yeah, yeah. I said, yeah, yeah. Cam was in Sherwood Park. He goes, that's right. Yeah. And then we're just talking. We're still talking about bands. I'm going, oh yeah. Well, actually we were at a great concert uh, with Cam. Uh, A couple bands we really like. Nature of from Edmonton. And, uh, and I'm trying to remember the one from Saskatoon. And he reminded me who it was. He goes, oh, I'm in that band. So, yeah, <laughs> really, yeah, 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 and the fact that I'd brought them up independently in conversation yeah. as a band that and organic Sue really likes them, right? And that so we were there to see them. They're the opening act, and we did see. And I'm feeling stupid because it's the Saskatoon band's actually quite well known. Anyway, yeah, we'll put it in the show notes. And my apologies to that excellent, most excellent band from Saskatoon. But anyway, so that's really th- cool. this guy. And, and he's, you know, I like how he says, oh, I'm in that band. Yeah. He is the, he's the lead singer. (laughs) He's the guy. He's the songwriter. (laughs) And he's got to be the nicest guy on the planet. 
And he was so pleased. Yeah. Like he just was genuinely feel, felt great for him. Wow. Thought, How cool is that? That's you know, really to, cool. Cause those guys just raved about them also. Eh? Mm-hmm, like they did. the voices really raved about yeah, the, yeah. the nature of a lot. Yeah. And their, their big, biggest album is cherish and they, it's an awesome album. <sighs> That's and it's pretty funny. funny. I was talking to him about the that what indie bands do, and the, you know, indie bands quite often the first song on an indie band album is grating or not very appealing, not super accessible. And I was saying, yeah, because you, your your lead song on Cherish is just awesome. Like it's right into it. It's an amazing song. And I couldn't remember the name of it. He offered the name. And and, uh, and I said, I said, because those indie bands, they always do, I call it the fuck you song. <laughs> like it's the first song and it scares away yeah, the people who might be a little bit too uh, philistine. It's, it's you, too, you it's, want, you want the insiders. Yeah. They the, want to establish the hipsters, their cred. The hip, yeah. Who, who can appreciate that weird first song. Yeah. And then you hit them with a second song, which is right. Which is full so, on pop. Yeah. We had that whole conversation and he was, laughing about it and he's going yeah yeah and then i get home and i listen to the album again and the first song's a fuck you song <laughs> i actually had the whole th- like the second song is the one <laughs> anyway and he didn't call you out that's no no funny. but he was uh he was so nice that's a very and, good story uh, yeah. jesus i didn't see yeah, that coming. It, yeah it just buoyed me the rest of the day i, I should say that's a yeah. that's an excellent story because yeah. now of course Anytime anybody comes over, your whole mission in life is to put on that album as a way to tell the story because it'll be organic. Oh, I know. I just like the album. And then you can tell a story because the album's already planned. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll, I'll work on that. That's a very good one. Thank you for that. I mean, our listeners, thank you for that. Right, KJ? Oh, I certainly thought. I was enthralled the whole time. I actually was. <laughs> I really was. Uh, what else we got here? What else? Anybody want to hear about uh, granny dancing and mental vapor? Oh, monk? we totally have to. But I think we need a video from you as well. That's never going to happen, Rich. I think we can take a video of you here and post it on the site. I uh, maybe there's an echo in here. That's never going to happen, Rich. Because I've seen you, <laughs> and I think it's amazing. I honestly do. But anyway, let's let's hear about it. You're going to call it granny dancing. I don't have that perception of it, but uh, you're the one who does it. So let's hear it. Okay. So background thing, as we sit here in the shed, we're about five or six blocks from Clinton Park, which is at first and Slocan, so five or six blocks uh, east of us here. Hmm. And about seven blocks from here is the One East restaurant at first and Renfrew and Angie, the accountant and I have been to dinner at that restaurant any number of times the last several years. And they have an 8.30 special, so a a number of times we've had to kill a little bit of time before 8.30 rolls around so we can have the special. And one of the ways you do it, go for a little walk, go down to Clinton Park, and there's all these people dancing in unison in this park to this really, really terrible sound system Chinese music. You know, really terrible sound. And so, you know, you kind of look at it, and Angie's, Angie's liking it. You know, she's kind of interested, but we walk. And so... That happened last year, and again this year we went down, and there they were. And so she was standing there kind of making the movements, trying to imitate what they're doing. And I said, do you want to try that? She said, yeah, I would like to try that. So, you know, we went and had our dinner, and I Googled it up, went through this whole thing. There's a community center nearby. 
I wrote to somebody in there and they wrote back and said, no, it's nothing to do with us. It's just people from the neighborhood. And then she wrote back again, this, uh, Manda mock of frog hollow community center, big shout out to her. Cause she went above and above beyond. She wrote me back again and said, I went and talked with the leader of the group that dances down there that you saw. Here's the deal. You know, anybody can come. They're there from eight to nine every night, unless it's raining. There's not much English and they're COVID aware, right? So they try to be distant and there's a lot of masks going on down there. So we went and tried it. And the first time she tried it and I watched and somebody who was in there said, you're not going to dance? And I said, no. And they said, why not? And I said, because I'm chicken. And the guy laughed at uh, the person there. Because there there's very few men. There's, uh, there was this guy that asked me, he was an older man, about 75, wearing a mask. And there's one other man and then me. And there was one Anglo woman, and I'm the only other Anglo person. Everybody else is Chinese. Chinese heritage. Yeah. And there is not much English spoken. There's very, there's only a couple of people who have really any English. Mm -hmm. So when they try to tell you what you're doing wrong and everything, I just have to stand there like a post and try to intuit from the hand gestures. This is the wrong way and this is the right way. You know, Uh they, they, they try to get you to do. So I've been doing this for about three weeks now. Every Every night. night. Every night. And it's now back to 745 and you do... And it's like, they call it granny dancing. I didn't even know. Angie called it granny, granny dancing. And I said, what? And she says, yeah, it's a big deal. And so I Googled it. It's a huge deal in China, mainland China. Yeah. Like a big deal. Big enough that they're getting neighbor neighborhoods that are really upset about all this dancing because they do it just day and night. And they have this music just cranked up and you get groups of <laughs> hundreds of people highly rehearsed like you see some of these videos and you just think oh my god these guys are like pros what they're doing out there this group is like 20 people and you know pretty incompetent Uh, but they just come down every night and they set up this dinky little player and they play the songs and they teach you a new dance every now and then they step through all the moves all these things that you have to how you have to hold your hands not like this like this you know like all this stuff, it's pretty fun. And the robot vapor lock remark that I made at the beginning as I started doing this, I have no experience with anything even remotely like this in my life, dancey movement type stuff, none. And so you're trying to follow the motions. Like when you first come, you just step in and go. And everybody knows this is your first time. Nobody's really talking to you or anything. And you just, you just try to do what they're doing. And the dances are all similar in, in so far as they have a bunch of moves that are repeated usually four times, once for each side of the square that you're standing in. And what I found in the first week was I could sort of hang for the first 15 or 20 minutes. I could pick up some of the movements and on the fourth iteration of some of the simpler dances, I could actually follow and do what everybody else was doing. After about a half an hour, I was down to kind of like, all right, I'll just watch their feet and I'll try to get my feet to do what their feet are doing in unison. Mm -hmm. And after about 45 minutes, I'm just standing there. It's like a, like a robot that hasn't had a software upgrade for like 15 years. You're overloaded. You you just can't. Your brain is just done. Is the brain, is it also tiring? 
it no, it's not from a exercise point of view. I I do sweat a little bit, but I mean, really, I could do that all day and mm-hmm. not be exhausted. I but mentally, good lord, it's just yeah, you showed me a few oh. steps, and right off the bat, it looked awesome. <laughs> well, it's it looked like really cool. It's pretty fun. You guys should try yeah. it. Everybody's welcome. Bring Sue over. I'm yeah. telling you, it's. It turns out to be a lot of fun. A really nice group of people. They're very welcoming. They're kind of shy because they don't have English. And I feel terrible because I have zero Chinese. And I don't think it's very fair that they have to try to speak to me. So I don't engage very much at all because they really don't have. There's there's one or two people that are fluent English speakers, but the other 18 are very not fluent. Because since then, I've spoken to a number of them because they're they're very friendly, right? And you have laughs. Like last night, I was there by myself, and the instructor had just finished giving a long, long five-minute thing about how to do this, that, and the other. And you can tell. You know, we had just done the dance, and you can tell what's wrong. And then she shows you how you're doing it wrong, and then she says what you should be doing. And she's saying all these words, but you can just... And I laughed, and I said to this woman who was standing near me, I said, I... Every time she shows us the wrong way to do things, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> and I have to, and she laughed, you know, and she, she knew what I had said, but it's pretty fun. And I have, it's, I'm getting to the point now where I'm occasionally frustrated when I do things wrong, when I think I should have known, hmm. but mostly still every time I do it, I have a couple of big laughs because I'm just so incompetent. I mean, I must just look like, you know, the Tin Woodsman or something out there just stumping back and forth. But, uh, <laughs> but that's what I've been hear doing. people muttering lofung. No, uh, Guelo, none of that. Uh, I did actually talk to, like after a few days, you know, people just say, having fun. And one of the yeah. instructors, having fun. I said, yeah, no, it's good. As long as I'm not driving you guys crazy. Because I thought, God, it must be frustrating to... Yeah, I don't know why though. I mean, you, it, it. I can understand that if you're a singing group, yeah, and someone's always out of key, that'd get to you after a while. Yeah, but if someone's not dancing right, you don't even need to look at them. You're really focused on what you're doing and what the leader's doing. It's true, and I don't. I hardly ever watch anybody. I will occasionally watch experienced guys because they'll know what the moves are. It's cool need, to watch. Well, yeah. I need to follow somebody. Oh, okay, I can't yeah, remember yeah. them all. I. Yeah. But mostly, I do not. But you know, I just kind of think. Like Auntie Spring, <laughs> it's this older woman. She's probably in her early seventies. Came from mainland China, I think, seven years ago. She's pretty serious. She doesn't want you to just hold your hold your hand out like that. She wants you to hold it like that, or you know, mm-hmm. to make these little gestures, these mm-hmm. graceful little gestures as you do things. And she doesn't want your hands like flat. She wants them up if you're going mm-hmm. back, you know. And I th- kind of think, and she takes the trouble to demonstrate and to show and to emphasize. And I would think that it would get kind of frustrating if that stupid white guy in the back just never picks any of this up. (laughs) Every time I look at that guy, he's still the tin woodsman back there. I think think you're right. I mean, I think a leader would just, that would be the ultimate if the entire group nails it. Yeah, they would be. So that's what I've been doing. It's granny dance. Very good. Very good. What's this Birdman entry, RJ? Well, Birdman, uh, it's a movie, actually. Have the old one with Clint Eastwood? Nope. This one is uh, Michael Keaton, mm-hmm. 2014, maybe. So, mm-hmm. wait, 
I may have mixed up Escape from Alcatraz. Yeah. Yeah, Which I, I think was Clint Eastwood. Yeah, I think you're right. Day. I think there's some movie called something, something Birdman or the, ah, the, the Birdman was, of Alcatraz. Yeah. 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 So anyway, so Birdman, I was just watching YouTube and there's Michael Keaton getting interviewed by someone talking about all the awards he won for Birdman. And I'm going, how could he have won all these awards? And I've never heard of this movie. So, uh, and then we have a couple credits on tell us for free movies. So, so watched Birdman. Watched the entire thing. Enjoyed it. Have you seen it? No, but I certainly remember when it came out and that he got some high praise for yeah. some stuff. Yeah. I managed to watch the entire movie. Now, to be fair to me, I was I was tired. It's the evening. Yes. We go, go, go every day. You know, this house has been a lot of stress, right? And uh, <laughs> you just, this is going to be a great story I can tell already. <laughs> <laughs> And I read, I watch the, I enjoy the movie. It's a weird movie. And we'll talk about it in a sec. And then, uh, as, as I, as is my want, I read the Wikipedia article afterwards. Always, always get a kick out of doing that. What, to find out what was in there that I didn't notice, right? The entire, and I did not notice this. So he goes, you didn't, didn't you notice that? And I'm going, no, I didn't. The entire movie. Oh, spoiler alert. If you haven't seen this yet. Yeah, spoiler alert, but I think it's good for you to know this in advance. I think it it heightens your enjoyment of the movie. But if you don't want to know anything, if you so, want to just just skip the next minute yeah, and go if, watch the, or just pause and watch the movie. And then if you don't get it, you can validate RJ. Yeah. See, I'm doing you a solid. The entire here. movie is one shot. Oh. One shot. I cannot say with certainty that I would notice that. I really can't. Yeah, I mean, you certainly notice there's a lot of walk and talk, and you certainly, from time to time, you can tell the camera's backing down a stairwell. Yeah. It just, and they're moving around, and it's set in and around the St. James Theater in New York City, which is a real theater, across street, across, yeah. across 44th Street from the Majestic Theater, and these are Broadway theaters. Fantastic movie, really fun to watch, and challenging, not easy. Like, cause it's moving along and all of a sudden you're aware that this crazy drum jazz drumming is going on and it's meant to really build up this yeah. anxiousness inside you yeah. and you're watching as things happen in early sixties fashion and it's just wild. So he used to be a movie star. This is the movie. He used to be a Birdman. You know, like a Marvel comic movie mm-hmm. type thing. And, you know, he was made a lot of money off of it. And, and now he's trying to prove that he's got some real chops in the theater. And so he, so he's uh, serious now. He's, he adopted a book an and it's a real book. I can't remember the title. It's a really long title. And you know, the St. James theater is a real theater. Yeah. So he really meshes in Keaton didn't direct this by the way. He is just the actor, but the, the director really yeah. makes everything kind of hyper real and comedic and, but just, just amazing to watch. And then Edward Norton comes in and he's over the top. Like they need this other actor cause the first actor is terrible. So he fires him and Michael Keaton has magical powers in his mind. Somehow you never quite figure out, is that real? Or I think it's just in his mind and this awful actor, he's too, cause Michael Keaton's character is the director as well as an actor. 
This awful actor's just not doing what he needs him to do. And you see Michael Keaton look up. And then all of a sudden, this stage light just boom hits the guy on the head. Now he's out. <laughs> and then Edward Norton comes in. <laughs> and Edward Norton's just over the top. Like he takes over, kind of. Like he's just this amazing method actor, right? He just reams him out because the gun that he uses in the show has a red plug clearly in the end. How can a method actor work yeah. if the gun's not looking realistic, right? Like, and it just goes on and on and on crazy twists and turns. And so I, I went to watch it again, uh, knowing the filming technique and that made it even better. But then I ran out of my 48 hour period. That's the end. That's a good story too. I'm still contemplating. I think the odds are fair that I wouldn't notice the continuous shot thing. I think it's, if you're tired, fair. I think if you're kind of, well, I just On don't the care top about of your game. You're going to be going, what? And I just don't think I care about stuff like that. And, and of course, as you know, like it couldn't possibly be one take in real life. How could it possibly be it's a whole movie, it's a two hour movie. Right. And sure enough, there are key points where, for example, at one point they're out on the rooftop kind of, and the camera swings across the street to the building across the street. And now it progresses from night to day while it's on this building. And then, and then the camera and continues. On, yeah. And there's, there's other times when the camera hits a wall on a stairwell and, and you know moves. that digitally, digitally, they could use that as a freeze point right there. And, and you would never know it. You just think the cameras, there's all kinds of in modern technology, but they, they said that making the movie was really hard. <laughs> like, like I bet. any re every retake. That just takes away so much right? from me now though. Cause I literally thought because I'm a bit of a fool that it was really continuous. If, mm. if you can. Well, I think the, because the movie is about art, is about theater. It's about a guy used to be in movies and it's set in a theater. I think even being aware of the filmmaking, it actually accentuates it more. Well, I know. You're I working just, on a couple different levels. I just wish it wasn't billed as a continuous one, continuous never, take. I don't think it was billed as that. I don't know. There's nowhere in the marketing materials. Enjoy the one take. <laughs> Like, you'll be amazed. <laughs> Nothing like that. Yeah. See, I'm doing you a solid. The entire movie is one shot. Oh. One shot. Just be aware okay. that there's one long take. All That's right. just fantastic. All right. Well, I'm just backing off my initial excitement <laughs> then, okay? Just backing off a little bit. Now I'll be all contemptuous. Oh, they're trying to make us think it's one long take. <laughs> It'll fantastic. Be like Fantastic. But you know the ones that are though, right? There's the the Russian movie. Uh, but I, I think they're I think they're literally twenty minutes. Yeah. You know, there's the opening shot to I can't remember. There's been a few where they've done very long opening shots. Yeah. Very yeah, there's long. one that's set on a movie. Nashville. Is it Nashville? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, the opening shot on the studio set yeah, is movie one. Set. Yeah, it goes just goes on for yeah. Quite a long time. And that's not done with effects. They, they would have to start over again yeah, every time. Yeah, yeah, And then these, this continuous shot would move from character to character and it would move, okay, it would move all of a sudden the camera's walking down the hall and into another room. Mm. Oh, right, right. And now we got another conversation. Right, happening. right. Yeah. Also the actors in it are just amazing. Got Edward Norton. You got, um, what's her name from La La Land? Yeah. And Naomi Watts plays... The woman, lead woman actor, and then another famous actress is his ex-wife, who's also in the play, and it just, yeah, fantastic. 
Highly recommended skin. I'm pretty sure I can tell by your look. You're going to be watching that tonight. No, I've got dancing tonight. Oh, yes, dancing. <laughs> gets in the way of everything. Do you guys watch any of the DNC? No, I did not. Only the after highlights of some of the speeches. Uh, it's pretty, pretty good. Good stuff, yeah. Pretty good, especially those Obamas. Yeah. Look, I think uh, uh, he took away from Kamala Harris on her night when she spoke because he spoke first. <laughs> Fuck, he's good. Yeah. Did you watch the the stutter guy on the DNC? I did see him. Yeah, I, I saw. Did he I didn't stand watch up on the stage. He he yeah he. I thought, spoke. It was, I thought it was just a video. Well, it was I, a video, yeah, of him in his bedroom, whatever. Yeah, but yeah. Buck was good. I watched so, about half of it. Oh, so he gave a he gave a talk from his bedroom. Very Thirteen cool. year old. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. Complete with stutters. Yeah. He he yeah. struggled, but he again, you know, it's very moving. And I mean, I understand anybody who thinks Democrats aren't going to do a whole bunch of horrible in their term, because they will. It's democracy's got yeah. real, real problems I mean, and they're part of it. Her ilk or a niche. Yeah. They're just a narrow little thing at the yeah. kind of at the end of the left wing social spectrum. Yeah. And really angry about race all the time. Yep. And, you know, I, I would say justifiably so, and I'm unhappy about race issues myself. Like, Yeah, and I, I think maybe not, sometimes not justifiable though. Yeah, sometimes, yes, I, yeah. I would agree with that. The last thing I said about any of that on Twitter was, my learning this year has been that privilege is real and it serves whether you ask for it or not. I've never thought of myself as a guy who takes advantage of his position and lords it over other people because they're not white and they're not male. And I've always thought, no, I'm not a bigot. And hence the snowflake thing, right? But the fact is, whether I ask for it or not, I've got privilege. Oh yeah. Like I've had advantages my whole life, whether I'm aware of them or not. And they serve mm -hmm. me still, whether I'm aware of them or not. Mm -hmm. And that's the problem, right? That's the problem. You got to be aware that okay, you can be a good guy and everything and you can feel guilty about it if you want. But the fact is you cannot deny the advantages that your race and gender have brought you and that they come at the expense of others because they hundred do. And you, then you think, so this is the kind of stuff you will hear from Democrats, right? Never in a billion MF years will you hear this from Trump or any of the guys at the top of the Republican Party. Not ever. And that's... The fact that democracy is under threat and everything is, but the reason you cry over Joe Biden being the nicest dad in the world is because you've been scared for at least two of the last four years that it's, it's just all going to go, right? The whole thing. It's not just the states. I shied away from this at the beginning and I'll stop here pretty soon too. But this guy, Aaron O'Toole's won the leadership of the conservative party. If you see his ads, we're going to take Canada back. Oh, I've seen what who, he's... Who are we going to take it back from there, Aaron? Well, indigenous people and lawless protesters and... Liberals. He's just going to go right back into the 1950s. That's his pitch. And it's essentially a racist pitch. And Peter, Peter, uh, what's his face, okay. is kind of the same thing. Like his remarks during the blockade stuff were just all about law and order and all of not acknowledging any kind of issue and just... Oh my God. Was it, wasn't there some talk to call an election or was that in BC? I'm no, no, they're talking about, I mean, the, the conservatives, the only good thing about those guys is if you were on the fence because Sheer was an idiot, 
you're not going to get off the fence for the sake of Aaron O'Toole or anybody else. Like they're just as bad, right? Mm-hmm. Sheer is just stunning. Justin Trudeau should send sheer Christmas presents for the rest of his life because he's compared made, to him, he's Justin made it Trudeau, so easy for Trudeau. Yeah. He just looks like a statesman. Uh-huh. We're done. We're finished. It's over. Yeah, I know. It's a little more abrupt, a little more harsh. I'm not going to say hostile, but we put our heart and souls into this episode and it's over now. <laughs> See ya. So, <laughs> so, so we hope you enjoyed it. We did. We always do. Um, because we cut out all the parts where we're not enjoying ourselves. So you don't know that. You don't know all the misery we go through. Take care of yourselves, you guys, okay? Come back and hear us again real soon, y'all. And uh, we'll be here. Bye. See ya. All right, we are done. Good one, guys. Thank you, boys.